Good morning and uh, welcome to Vision Day. Glad you're here. It's going to be a good day. Uh, we have been uh, working hard for this day. I've been so excited for this day to be able to share with you this morning uh, where we are headed as a church and what we do as a church, and especially if you're brand new. If this is your first time with us, man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, my wife, Laura, who just did all of our promotions for us. We, we would love to meet you after the service, so following the service, um, if you're brand new, if you came with a friend, friend, bring them down here. Laura will be right down here at the front, and we just love to say hi and, and get to know you. We're really glad that you're a part of our service, and you really came on just the perfect day because you're going to figure out in a matter of, I don't know, about 95 minutes here of me speaking, um, just... <laughs> Uh, as long as you you amen and stuff like that, it's gonna be it be short. I promise. Uh, no, just in a few, few minutes of what we are what we are all about as a church. And I want to, if you call Core Church home, I, I want to invite you uh, and and just if I could, I, I just want to compel you to come back tonight for Vision Night. This tonight is a very very uh, intimate environment. We're actually going to be out in our lobby area. It'll be set up with tables. We have free dinner from Los Cabos at. 5 o'clock, free tacos tonight, all right, so that happens at 5, and then at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a, our vision night service, this is for all of our core partners, so uh, partner is our fancy word for member, but if you are not a partner, uh, we want you to come, we want you to be a part of this night, this is an opportunity for you to figure out, like, what is this church all about, and how do I partner with this church, and, and you'll have that opportunity at the end of the service to determine whether I want a partner or right now I, I don't want to. But everybody is invited, and we have children's programming for uh, newborns through fifth grade. So dinner's at five, service at six. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm coming for tacos. Because I know that's what's really going to get you here tonight. So I know that's what's going to get you. All right, hey, let's, let's uh, go to the scripture, Matthew, if you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 22, and you may have a Bible on your uh, smartphone or tablet or device, uh, and I read out of the New Living Translation. If you are new and you do not have a Bible, we give them away for free. You can get one right after the service, just come down here to the front, and we'll make sure you get one, or you can stop by the Next Steps room afterwards, we'll put a Bible in your hands. We want everybody to have access to the Word of God. But we're going to be in the book of Matthew. And uh, Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. Old Testament is before Jesus. New Testament is uh, after Jesus came. And Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. So he followed Jesus around. He heard all the stories. And he wrote an account of Jesus' life. And we're going to read today one of the accounts that he had. Now, a little background on this. In Matthew chapter 22, what's going on is Jesus is not a very well-liked man. They don't like him. They don't like the message he's preaching uh, the religious leaders are very intimidated by him. They think that he's going to steal their power away from them, and they're not going to be able to be in charge anymore. They don't know what his agenda is. And so they're trying constantly to discredit him. And so at, at this point, uh, we all know that uh, there are how many commandments? Ten. There's ten, ten commandments. We're all familiar with that. But what you may not be familiar with is if you went through the entire Old Testament, there's actually over 600 of them. There's over 600 laws that Moses gave to the people. And so the religious leaders come to Jesus, and they're trying to trick him. And so one of them says to him, all right, we got all these laws. Okay, Mr. Smarty Pants, what's the most important one? And we pick up here in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, and here's 
what Jesus says. Here's how he answers that. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Let's pray. God, you are welcome in this place. We want you to know that. And we want you to be glorified and honored through, through what is, is spoken and everything that we do, that you would be glorified and lifted up above all things. And I want to ask you, church, let's, let's pray for one another right now. Just pray that we would all be open, we'd all hear what God wants to say, because he wants to speak to each of us. And pray for me as your pastor that I'm going to be faithful to what God wants us to say. I'll only say what he wants us to say, and, and that he just speak to us today. And if you're ready, you're ready to hear from the Lord. In Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. All right, I want you to finish the following statement. In, in 2016, I must blank. I don't have to say this out loud, but I want you to think, what's, what's on your must-do list for 2016? Because we're all in that season right now where we make those New Year's resolutions, and we have that, what's your, what's your I must I, this, is, this is the one I, I got to get to. Now, I know we all go to the, the typical ones of uh, lose weight, I got I to gotta exercise, I got to eat right, and get out of debt, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we, don't, we never do any of those things, do we? How about we do the things we really need to do? For example, I must update the family picture on our wall. That's an I must. Like if I went into your home, for some of you, there's a picture of you and your spouse and a cute little baby. And that cute little baby's like 9 or 10, and there's two others in the house. And they're all like, when am I getting my picture on the wall? I must update the family picture. And if you're a sibling here, you're like, yes, yes, preach to my mom and dad right now. Because that haircut I have in that picture, it is not pretty, and it must come down. How about this one? I, I must put away my Christmas decorations. <laughs> come on, somebody. Yeah, I, I, anybody still got your tree up? Don't put your hand up. Don't put your hand up. You still, you're like, all right, I'm going home today. Just, just last week, I was like, I, I, got, I actually still had Christmas lights on the house. They weren't coming on, but I was like, I got to get these things down. Here's another one. This is really more personal to me. This is, this is mine. I must deliver that mail to my neighbor. <laughs> we actually have two pieces of mail that have been sitting in our house. This is terrible. They were on our kitchen table, and then they were on the kitchen counter, and now they finally moved to the front door. This has been about a three- to four-week process, and they live like four doors down. I must take my neighbor their mail. All right, let, let, let's turn this a little bit. Um, how about let's do you must. I want you to think about your family, uh, your, your friends, uh, maybe your coworkers, and please do not... Look at the person if they're sitting next to you, okay, or say this out loud. But what is, if you could, if you could be in, sit in front of your spouse and talk openly and honestly, and you could say to your spouse, you must, what would be filled in that blank? I can tell you Laura's already spoken openly and honestly about that one to me. You must get one of those snoring breathing machines. She's like, you must get whatever that thing is. They put that nozzle on your face, you know, where you look like Darth Vader. She's like, you must get one of those. I ain't getting one of those because that's when you officially announce to your children, I'm old. Okay? 
And kids have smartphones, and they have the ability to take pictures when you're asleep and post those things. I am not getting one of those machines. That's not, not going to happen. How about for your kids? Think about your kids. You must stop looking at me like that. Amen? Yeah, or um, how about that, that coworker that you got that's like in the cubicle next to you that is constantly doing this? Don't you just want to get up on the cubicle and go, you must stop that. Are you spitting it? What are you doing with that? You must stop. I don't forget, that's, just, that's a bad one there. Okay. Well, Jesus, in, in Matthew 22, he, he, he gives us two, you must. He says, you must love God. And then he says, you must love people. And this is where our vision, if you're new to core church, this is where our vision and our, our core values come from. We have four core values. And if you're brand new, let me just tell you, some of you know this story, but when it came to the vision for our church and I began to pray and ask God years ago, what is the vision that you want for us as a church? And I said, I don't want to get it off some church's website. I don't want to read it out of some book. I, I need you to speak to me about what that vision is. And, and when I prayed that prayer, God led me to what's known as the great commandment of Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I wrote those four things down uh, on a napkin, and those became our four core values of Christ, commitment, community, and compassion. And those are, those are all birthed out of our, our vision statement that we say every single week. And our, our vision statement is, is birthed out of Matthew chapter 22. And if you're a regular at Core Church, you know it. At the core of who we are is what? Loving God and loving people. That, that's who we are and that's why we exist. So I want you to finish this statement. At the core of who I was in 2015 was what? What, what word would you, would you put in there? Would you, would you say at the core of who I was was generous? I would use that word, generous. Would you use maybe the word I was serving? That would be my word. When I look back on 2015, it would be, it'd be serving. Or maybe it would be unselfish. Or maybe it would be forgiving. Or maybe you'd use the word, I'd say merciful. That's the word I would use. Or would you use different words? Would you use words like angry? core of who I was in 2015 was angry. Would you use a word like jealous? Maybe bitter. Unforgiving. At the core of who I was in, in 2015 was selfish. Honestly, it was demanding. What, what would be the word that you would you would put in there for, for 2015. Well, what if at the end of 2016, what if you finished this year and you were able to say, at the core of who I was, was loving God and loving people? What if that could be said about you? What if that could be said about me? What impact would that have on you personally? What would that do in your life? 
if at the core of who you were truly was loving God and loving people? What would that do if you have a spouse or children? What would that do in your, in your family? What would it do in your workplace? What would it do in this church if all of us came together and committed to say, you know what, 2016 is going to be all about loving God and loving people. What would happen in this church? And as a result of what happened in this church, what would happen in our city? Well, I want us to look at this for a few minutes because before we can make that commitment, I think we got to understand exactly what Jesus meant by that. Because we say it a lot, and I think it's important that we stop for a moment and just back up a step and re-examine what is Jesus really talking about here. So let's go to the scripture. Matthew 22, verse 37. Let's look at just the, the first part of it here. Jesus replied, you must what? You must love the Lord your God. Now there's four different Greek meanings for the word love. So there's basically four different meanings for the word love. There's um, the romantic love, okay? Eros, okay? That's the uh, when you see someone of the opposite sex and you're like, oh, I'll lock you a lot. <laughs> it's that one where you're like, ooh. It's also where we get the, the word erotic from, okay? This is the word for bow chicka, wow, wow. Okay, that's the, that's the word for that, that kind of, of love. Then, then there's phileo, okay? Now, phileo is kind of a, a friendship. Um, it's, it's just the, the relationship I have with, with my friends. And then there's storge, which is more of my family, like my, my kids, the love I have my, for my kids or the love I have for my, for my parents and, and maybe, maybe some close friends. And then there's agape love. And I want us to talk about agape love here in just a moment. But the thing is, is we use the word love um, a lot in our society, do we not? I mean, we, we just kind of throw that, that word around a lot, and I think its meaning gets really, really confusing. Like, you know, you say, hey, I love tacos, and I love my wife. They're like, okay, I mean, they, they just, it gets confusing. Like, which love are we, are we talking about? We all love different things, do we not? I mean, you, you love, I mean, some of you are like, I love the Sooners. Some of you are like, I love the Cowboys. Yeah, and, and I mean, some of, we have our, our favorite TV shows that we love. We go to a movie and we say, man, I love Star Wars, okay? And we have all these different things that we love. Some people say, man, I love cats. Now, I actually saw this video that's gone viral of this girl. I don't know if you've seen this, but this girl, like, she loves cats, and it's just like, it's just crazy. Here, watch, watch, watch this. This is the girl talking about her love for cats. So I am a recent um, MBA grad from Villanova. Um, I love cats. Um, I just... Sorry, I'm getting emotional. I love cats. Um, I love every kind of cat. Sorry, I just, I really love cats. And I just want to hug all of them, but I can't, because that's crazy. I can't hug every cat. But I just want to, I want to. I want to. Um, I'm sorry, I just, I can't. Anytime I hear cat, I just, I love cats. Um, ooh. 
Okay, so this is not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. Not the I love cat kind of love. Jesus here is, what he's talking about is this agape love. Now, agape love is on a whole nother level. It's, it's love on steroids, okay? When he says, love the Lord your God, what he's saying is, this word is like a sacrificial love. It's, it's a, a commitment that you would make. It's, it's being completely devoted to it. Nothing else comes in the way of it. It comes first in everything that you do. So Jesus is saying here, you must love. Not a casual commitment, not just a, a Sunday morning come and, and sit in the seat and hear a nice little sermon and go home kind of commitment, but a fully devoted follower commitment kind of love to him. That's the kind of love he's talking about. Now, are there any type A's here, type A personalities, type A's in the house? And when you, listen, if, if you're a type A, you, you, you hate surprises. Like, you don't want anybody surprising you with nothing, okay? Somebody throws you a surprise party, you get mad at them for throwing you a surprise party. Why? Because you got a plan for everything, right? Like, you know what's coming up, what's going on, what's happening here. Don't be throwing no wrinkle into anything I'm doing. In fact, your phone, your phone, your phone ain't a phone, is it, type A's? It, it is an organizational tool. Like you have a calendar, you have your reminders, everything's going beep, beep, blow, blowing up on there to remind you, I got to do this and this is where I'm going. I can show you what I'm doing on October 3rd at 7.30 in the morning. Like that's how organized you are. If somebody calls you on your phone, you get mad. What are you calling me for? That's not what this is for. So, so you hear Jesus say, you must and, and you hate that. You hate that because you're like, really? Don't, don't be telling me what to do. Don't you be messing my plan up, Jesus. Well, I got my plan. I already know where I'm going, what I'm doing. I don't need you coming in and telling me. Now, now how, many, how many type Bs here? Type Bs? Anybody? Yeah, okay. A few, somebody, yeah, you, you, you. One type B over there was going. Totally how you are. You love surprises, don't you? You just can't wait. It's like a spontaneous party breaking out. Woohoo! Go do something different. This is awesome. You love that. You didn't, listen, you, you didn't even know there was a calendar and reminders on your phone. I just gave you some new information. Like, what's that? What's that all about? You set up reminders to remember to go places and get things that you need and not forget about it? Yes! Your phone is a phone. Like, you love it. Well, somebody's calling me right now in the middle of service. I have got to talk to them right now. <laughs> You're the one who gets up in the middle of me preaching to answer your phone. Because, you, listen, you, here's how you know. If you're not sure if you're type A or type B, you know, you know you're a type B personality because when you text, you always put in emojis. And not, not one, but like three or four. You communicate through emojis. I'm going to give them the happy face, and then I'm going to, I'm going to give them the thumbs up, and then I'm going to give them a little flower. That's what I'm going to give them right there. That's how you roll. Type Bs, you hate, you must. She's like, uh-uh, 
No, sir, Regis, I must what? No, 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 no. I'm keeping my options open just in case I want to have a change of plans. Don't, don't be telling me that, that I, I, I must. Don't, don't be locking me down. I'm a free spirit. I don't need you doing that. Honestly, we all hate it. None of, we all, we, none of us like hearing you must. And we bow up a little bit on that. Like, what do you mean you, 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 you must? Why don't you ease up, Jesus? Ease up a little bit. I mean, because think about it, you must. Doesn't that sound kind of demanding? Doesn't that, that sound kind of overbearing, like legal, legalistic? I mean, wouldn't it be better to, for him to say, you should consider? Wouldn't that have been better? Are you reading it? You're like, Jesus says, well, you should, you should think about it. But he, he doesn't. He, he says, you must. You must love the Lord your God. Do you have that kind of love for God? And I must kind of love. Not, not a, I guess if I have to, dragging my heels. I guess if I got to be at church, I'll be there, okay, because I want to get a brick and then I'll go home. And, uh, or, or is your I must more of, man, I get to, I want to. It drives me. It compels me. Where you're just like, I, I, I must. It's, it, it captivates me. Jesus is everything to me. I, I must serve him. I must be in his house. I must be in his work. word. I, I must be out about telling people about him. I must be forgiving. I, I must be generous. Is, is that the kind of must that you have? That's the kind of must that Jesus is asking for here. I'd like for you to write this down. It's a question that I want you to take with you. I want you to put it on your bathroom mirror or on your nightstand, somewhere where you can constantly look at this, maybe put it on your refrigerator. It's a simple question. Do I have an I must kind of love for God? Do I have an I must kind of love? of love for God, where, where all of your thoughts, all, all of your, your actions, all of your, your desi- desires, all of your dreams, every decision you make is centered around God. Laura and I were just at Turkey Mountain walking on Friday on our date day and hanging out, and, uh, and, and we, were, we were talking about how all throughout our life, uh, when I was in my, throughout my radio career, and every job, we were kind of laughing about how we didn't take a step without making sure God was a part of that decision. We prayed about every single thing. It got so ridiculous. Every single job I applied for, every single move that we would make, every home that we have bought in 31 years of marriage, every dollar seems like that we have spent, we have always been like, is this what you want us to do, God? As far as like the decisions we're making, because for her and for me and for my house, it's an I must love God. I'm compelled by it. I'm captivated by it. It consumes me. Turn to the person next to you and say, I must. Yeah, I must follow him. Do I have an I must kind of love for God? But then Jesus asks for even more. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? As if loving God is not hard enough. More? Yeah. 
He says this in verse 39. A second, this is interesting, Matthew's the one who writes it this way, a, a second is, is what? Okay, so this is as important as loving God. That's what Jesus is saying. Second is equally important, love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbors are funny things, are they not? I mean, neighbors are interesting because some, some neighbors you love, right, and some, some you don't love so much. You know, you know what I mean? I like, I like, some neighbors are just easy to love. You got, I've talked about my neighbor Jim. He makes, him and his uh, wife uh, make coffee and are part of our coffee team. He lives right across the street from me. Jim's the easiest neighbor. Everybody should have a neighbor like Jim. He's so easy to, to love my neighbor because he lets me borrow stuff all the time and he fixes all my stuff. And God bless him, he mows his yard. I mean, you don't love that neighbor that don't mow their yard, do you? Like, they need to get out there and they need to get after it right now. How about, you know, you ever, the neighbor that's difficult to love, like that old grouchy guy, and nobody, he doesn't want anybody on his yard, or anybody near him. I remember growing up when I was a little kid, and we had at the end of the street, we had this, this old guy, and he, he hated children. He despised kids, and uh, he would scream at us out of his Jeep to get out of the road, and all this, and scared us to death. And I just remember being about 10 or 11 years old, and we were playing this old game called Kick the Can, Okay. Good old game, way, way better than a hide-and-go-seek. And we were playing kick the can, and I was hiding behind these trash cans by his house, and, and I heard some noise behind me, and I turned around and looked, and, and back about 20 feet, he was standing in his driveway like this, and it's just a silhouette of him and a shotgun. Now, it might have been a broom, but I swear to you, <laughs> I swear it was a shotgun. Those neighbors, you don't like, those neighbors, they're, they're hard to love. I mean, some neighbors are easy to love and then some are, are difficult to love. But Jesus here, Jesus is saying that this must, it goes beyond our own neighborhood. It's not just your, your, your local neighborhood, but he's talking about the neighborhood that's outside of your neighborhood. In fact, if you go to Luke's gospel, Luke tells the same story. You write this down, read it later. Luke chapter 10 in Luke chapter 10, one of the religious guys says, okay, uh, Mr. Smart Alec, Mr. Fancy Pants, Mr. Know-it-all, uh, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a story. It's a famous story of the Good Samaritan. And most of us have probably heard that story. Whether you're in church or out of church, you've probably heard, hey, you need to be a Good Samaritan. Well, that comes from Scripture. It comes from Luke chapter 10. And, and in that story, it just simply tells this story about a Jewish man who was robbed, beaten, and left for dead. And, and then Jesus tells this story that the preacher comes by and the pastor sees this guy laying half dead and he's like, well, I've got other things I've got to do. And he walks by and he doesn't help the man. And, and man, we're like, you kidding me? A preacher would do that? And that's what Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, the preacher did that. And then Jesus says, not only did the preacher do that, but also everybody who went to the church did that. Like, then a church attender walks by this guy and sees him and is like, oh, man, I, I can't. i got to get to prayers and i got to do all these things. So he pr passes by, doesn't pay any attention to him. And then he says there's this Samaritan. The Samaritan is the key word in the story because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. Jews and the Samaritans, that was the other neighborhood. That was not in my local neighborhood. Jews helping Jews, good idea. Samaritans helping Samaritans, let's do that. But not Samaritans helping Jews and Jews helping Samaritans. But he says the Samaritans, the one who stopped, the one who helped was the Samaritan. And he said the Samaritan bandaged his wounds, gave money so that he could have lodging and said, I'll pay whatever needs to be paid to help this man. It is a story of compassion. 
And what Jesus is saying through that story is our lives must be driven by compassion. He calls us to get outside of our neighborhood and get out of our familiar surroundings and get into neighborhoods for people that don't have a voice. He calls us as the church to stand against injustice. He calls us to go to those who who have no voice, who have no say, nobody to help them. He calls us to come alongside them and help them up. Because as we help them up, they help us up. That's who we are. That's what we're called to do. That's what I love about our church. It's a big part of who we are. That's why we talk about Abba Center all the time. That's why we partnered with Abba Center is so that we could go and help the least, the last, and the lost. Because somebody needs to be there to help the homeless person. Somebody needs to be there for the person who's incarcerated and doesn't have hope and needs the hope of Jesus. And men and women who are are incarcerated, we're going into the jails every single week to minister to them. But not only that, when they come out of the jails and when they're transitioning out, we help them to reconcile with their families, to get back with their families, to find a job, to get back into society, to learn about Jesus, find the hope of Jesus, and come to faith in Jesus. Every Saturday night, we have Celebrate Recovery where people are getting free of their hurts, their habits, and their hang-ups. We go into the neighborhood just south of downtown where people live in a food desert, and they have no ability to run down to Reese's or Walmart. They ain't got no car, they ain't got no gas, and there ain't no grocery store anywhere. But people give up their time and their energy and their efforts, and they say, I'll go. I'll be the good Samaritan. I'll get outside of my neighborhood because those people deserve respect and dignity, and they need to know that Jesus loves them. And with people in our church are doing that all the time. That's who we are, and that's what we're about. So this word love that Jesus used for love your neighbor, it's the same word and the same meaning as love God. It's not a casual friendship kind of love. It's an agape love. It's it's the love that's sacrificial. It's the love that says, I'm committed to it. It's the love that says, I'm devoted to it. It says that it doesn't matter. I'm consumed by it. I've got to do this. I must help and love my neighbor as myself. So another question I want you to write down right below the last question you wrote is this. Do I have an I must kind of love for people? Do I have an I must kind of love for people? The kind of love that compels you, drives you, motivates you. I must serve. I must be generous. I must be compassionate. I must lay down my life for the sake of others. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And this is what God is asking us today. Will you love me And will you love the people I created? So what if in 2016, your life was was characterized by words like generous, serving, compassionate, kind, unselfish, forgiving. And would those not be great words to be said about you at the end of this year? What would happen in your life, in your family's life? What would happen in our church if if we all said together, in 2016, I must 
love the Lord my God with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind, and I must love my neighbor as myself. Well, today what we're doing is we're, we're coming to make our commitment to God and his church. That's what these bricks are here at the front of the auditorium. And e- each commitment, if you have the card, it's in the, it's in the chair back in front of you. I'd like you to take this card out, if you would. It's in the chair back in front of you or on the chairs in the front row there for you. We're coming here in just a few minutes. We're going to bring our commitment cards here to the front of the auditorium. And each of us are going to get a brick, and I'll, I'll explain that here in, in just a moment. But I want us to, to kind of look at this for just a moment, because each commitment that we're making on this card really comes back to our four core values, really comes back to, to who we are as a church. And so what I want you to do, first of all, I want you to take this card, I want you to grab a pen, and I want you to take the word where it says commit. I want you to cross out the word commit. And I want you to write in the word must. I must. That agape kind of love, being devoted to laying down my life for, it consumes me, it's what I'm about, it's the focal point of my life. I must. So cross out that word commitment, write in the word, I must. Each one of our, our core values corresponds to, um, or each one of these commitments on the card corresponds to one of our, our core values. And I want to show you these four core values. We have four of them. The first one, the first one is Christ. What we like to say here is this, I must lift up Christ. Well, what what does that mean to say, I must lift up Christ? On your commitment card, we, we talked about this last week. We talked about Jesus being the cornerstone. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to that message that Christ has got to be first, he's got to be foremost in our lives. But during week one, we talked about Joshua, and I talked about 2.7. If you missed that, go back, listen to the series. Let's capture the whole vision of this series. You really need to hear the whole thing. Uh, there was a, a number that God gave me in the middle of the night, 2.7. And I talked about that. And I talked about the walls of Jericho, the walls of Jericho coming down. And, but I talked about how we all have to do that together. And so this first commitment is, I must give my time. I, 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 must, I must give my time. In other words, it's, it's about I, making a commitment to say, I'm going to be in the house of God regularly. I'm going to make a commitment to be in his house on Sundays, if I'm in town and I'm not sick and I have the ability to be in his house, I must be in his house. That's what the children of Israel committed when they walked around those walls. Your talent. Will you commit in 2016 to say, I must get out of my seat and I must help others. I must serve in this church. If you're not on a core team and you call core church home, I want that to be just consume you. I must help others. There's so many different places that you can serve, and we, we can tell you about that later, but today that's the commitment that you're making. And Are you willing to say, I must commit my treasure? If you 
Remember in that message I talked about when the walls of Jericho fell, they gave the first fruits. Everything from Jericho was to be brought into the house of God. That first 10% is what the Bible teaches us as followers of Jesus. And I wish I could say every Christ follower, man, we all do it. We all give our 10%, but that's just not true. But I don't think we should be living with guilt and condemnation either. I think for too long, most people who are followers of Jesus struggle giving the 10%, and so they just beat themselves down. They end up not doing anything. I want you to get to a place in your life where you say, I must work towards that. I love God. I'm consumed by Him. He's everything to me. I must commit my treasure to Him. So start somewhere. If you don't give anything, just say, I'm going to start giving 1%. Maybe your number's five, maybe it's seven. I don't know what your number is, but start somewhere and say, I must start working towards that tithe. Jesus means that much to me. So it's that, that commitment we're making today to Christ. The second core value we have is commitment. It's an I must commitment. I, I must lead people into commitment. Second week of the series, I talked about the, that number 400. And how in the middle of the night, God woke me up and he gave me this number 400. And if you just go back and listen to the message, you'll find out what that's about. But we talked about the walls. Nehemiah, that's where this wall that we're going to build this morning, that we're talking about this morning, it really is birthed out of that, that the, the people came and they started building the, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. But it really wasn't about rebuilding a wall. See, because every brick, every brick represented a human soul. Nehemiah didn't want to be known as a guy who rebuilt a wall. He wanted to be known as a guy who helped save a people. And the rebuilding of that wall was all about saving people. We talked about this commitment of intercede, invest, and invite. So today, that's the commitment I want to ask you to make to your church and to those who are in the seats next to you. And the commitment you make to God today, I must intercede. I must pray for people who are far from God. I must invest. I'm, I must start caring about people who are far from God. I, I need to get to know some people that don't know Jesus, and I need to start getting to know their lives and listening to them and seeing how I can help them. And then finally, I, I must invite. It's not enough that I come. It's not enough that my family comes. But we, everybody needs to know the hope of Jesus. So I just talked to someone this week and, and they were born and raised in Broken Arrow and they had no idea who Jesus was. Who is he? God's son? God? He's God? Broken Arrow. Let us not be blind to that. People need Jesus. Will you make that commitment today? Third core value. It's the core value of community. I must live in community. On your, your card here, it says this commitment, I must read, reflect, and respond through prayer and God's word. I talked to you last week about what's interesting about our core values is they all just weave together. But I can't make a commitment to Christ. And we talked about this last week. The best way... To, to just make Jesus the cornerstone of your life is to get in his word and a regular habit of prayer. I gave you the one minute challenge, read one minute a day and pray one minute a day. Go back and listen to the podcast from last week. It's a great challenge. If you'll do that for a year, it'll change your life. 
But today I'm asking you, will you be a man and a woman of the Word? I'm going to commit to read, reflect, and respond. I'm going to read the Word, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I think one of the best ways to do that is in community. That's why we have core groups. We've been talking about them every week. Get in a core group. Our core groups are based around the Word of God. Men and women coming together, sharing about what they're reading in the Word together, talking about the Word together, answering the difficult questions like, I read this, I don't know what it means. Well, you know what it means? I don't know what it means. Well, let's try to search it out and find it out together. And it's so great when you're in a group of people and you have some people in your life that are holding you accountable to the Word. We need to be living in community with one another. And then the the final commitment is our core value of compassion. I just talked about that just a few moments ago. Man, will I commit to say I must help the least, the last, and the lost. I'm not going to just live in my own neighborhood. I'm not going to just live in my own neighborhood, but I'm going to get outside of my neighborhood, get outside of myself, and I'm going to help some people. So here's, here's what we're going to do here. I want you to take your commitment card, and I want you to go ahead and prepare to fill that out and explain what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to pray together here in just a moment, and then we're going to receive communion. And as we receive communion, what I'm going to ask you to do today is if you call Core Church your home, this is your home church. If this isn't your home church, and, and, you're, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, this, this is really something I want you just to watch. I want you to watch this church. I want you to watch the people of God. But if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is my home, I'm going to invite you to come forward, and you're going you're to take a brick. There's Sharpies all across the front of this auditorium, and I want you to take a brick, and you're going you're gonna to write your first and your last name on that brick. If you have children and they're back in our kids' ministry right now, I want you to to grab a brick for them. They get a brick. This is about your family. I want you to write your son's or daughter's name on a brick, their own individual brick. I want you to do that. You're going to write it. You're going to bring your commitment card, and then we're going to place these around these altars, and then we're going to pray together. What's cool is when you come back tonight for vision night, you're going to see this wall that we're building out in the lobby. You're going to be able to walk up to that wall be able to see your name, your name physically written, a physical representation. I'm a child of God. I'm in the body of Christ. And they're so surrounded by people. Think of the strength of a wall. I don't do life alone, but I have people who surround me and there's strength in that. And I'm a child of God. There's my name right there. So when you come, I want you to come with that kind of attitude and that kind of thought. And the one instruction I need to give you is when you write on the brick, make sure you write on the smooth side of the brick. Turn to the person next to you and say, write on the smooth side. Write on the smooth side. You put your name on it. Make sure you spell it right. We don't have that many bricks. If you don't like the way you handwriting is, like I didn't like the way I wrote my name. I need another brick. No, just, just one brick, okay? Um, you may be like, well, what happens if I leave this church? We're going to take your brick out of the wall. That's what we're going to do. Um, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. 
Oh, we have been praying and we have been waiting and anticipating this. Man, I've just been so excited about this day. So excited about what God is about to do. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. And would you look at that commitment card? Just bow your heads and look at that card. If you're a follower of Jesus today. Maybe you've identified an area you need to surrender. Maybe it's your time, your talent, your treasure. Maybe it's uh, the people who are far from God. And, you know, I'm not reaching people far from God. Or maybe I'm not reading my Bible. Or, uh, man, I, I need to get out of my own neighborhood. What, what is God calling you? Have you identified an area that you need to surrender? Or maybe just in this moment you say, I need to fully surrender my life to the work of the Holy Spirit. If you've identified an area, all heads bowed, would you just raise your hand so I can see who you are? You've identified an area that you need to surrender right now before you come. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All over the place. God, thank you for these hands that are raised. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would come upon them right now and they would know that you are there to help them to walk through that commitment. That you say to them, God, you are not alone. You are not alone. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you to keep this commitment that you are making with me today. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you can get a brick. And that begins with you making a commitment to follow him. It's that, it's that idea that, man, Jesus, he was the Son of God, God in the flesh. He came to this earth, he walked on this earth, and he died on that cross for you. So you don't have to carry your sin, you don't have to carry your shame. Listen, some of you today, you're, you don't want to come get a brick because you say, I'm not worthy, I, I got to get, I'm, I'm too messed up, there's no way I, I, don't, I don't fit in. That is a lie from the enemy, that is not, not from God. That is the enemy who's saying to you, don't go get a brick because you're not worthy enough. And Jesus says, you're correct, but that's a half truth. You're not worthy, but I made you worthy through my son. God sent his son and through his death and through his resurrection, we are all made worthy if we will come to him and seek his forgiveness and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. If you're not a follower of Jesus and today you want to make that commitment or maybe you've been away from God for a long time you're like, I need to come back to him. Would you just raise your hand? Nobody looking around. I won't embarrass you. just want to know who you are. Raise your hand. Back in the back. I see you over there. Anybody else? Today I'm making a commitment to follow Jesus or I'm coming back to him. God, thank you for those who are coming back to you. And I pray that in Jesus' name they will know their sins are forgiven. In this moment, God, wash over them and say your guilt and your shame. I remember it no more. And my son was given for you. And you are counted worthy because of my son. And his blood brings that forgiveness for your sin. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his new life. And I pray the Holy Spirit empowers you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's give God a hand clap for life change today.